Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. You say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man have we done it again. Yes, we do it every week and I guarantee another one today. It's going to be one heck of a show. I'm telling you right now. You know what? Here it is. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. And here's why I'm so stinking excited. 100 skills of the successful sales professional author joins me today. Alex Dripchak. That's a hard intro to follow. I love the energy, Jay. Thank you for having me. I, listen, I love having. Listen, first of all, the book is fantastic. He's fantastic. All right, but the book. Let me, let me just kind of let me just kind of help you out out there who's listening to me here real quick. Let me just kind of talk to you. First of all, we're all in sales. If you're dating, you're in sales. Okay, let's just okay. If you're married, you're still in sales because you're trying to sell your wife something or your husband something, right? We're all in sales, all right. So let's just get that right out of the way. But the truthful matter is, there is the sales professional. Okay, this is the person who makes a living from selling. All right. I don't care if you're thinking about sales. I don't care if you've been in sales for 150 years. I don't care if you manage salespeople. I don't care if you're thinking about managed salespeople. Alex and 100 Skills of This Successful Sales Professional is going to help you today. I'm, I cannot make it any simpler than that. He is going to help you. Because I have read every single page of this book, right? And I have read sales books. You've heard them on the show. I'm telling you, this may be the best book I've ever read. It is practical. It is a toolkit. It is about ethical selling. It is, it is not, let me, let me tell you something he said in his book, this quote that's just has been burned into my brain. Here it is. Would you sell something that a client didn't need to them in order to make your quota for the month? Would you sell a product or service to a client that didn't need it in order to make your quota? Pretty interesting question, isn't it? What would you do? Yeah, well, Alex Alex learned a great lesson from that quote, and we're going to talk to him about that. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week, right? And that's this. I walk you through the four areas of your life, right? Listen, we're in constant, we should be in constant training physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. That's the truth. The fact of the matter is we never stay static because if you're not growing, you're dying. Sorry. There's no other way to put it. If you're not growing physically, you're dying physically. If you're not growing mentally, you're dying mentally. If you're not growing emotionally, you're dying emotionally. If you're not growing spiritually, you're dying spiritually. Right? Because it's something that we have got to keep doing all the time. You've heard me interview special operations forces people. You've heard me interview a general from the U.S. Army on the show. And they've all said the same thing. you got to keep training your body, your mind, your emotions, and your spirit. Right? By the way, Alex really says the same thing throughout this book. He really does. You have got to stay on top of it. That's why there's 100 
plus a bonus one. All right, so physically, scale one to 10. One means that my training is not doing well. 10 means my training is awesome. Physically, how would you rank yourself in terms of eating right, getting enough exercise, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? How would you rank yourself out there? Right, five being average. Right, whatever that number is, it is. We're not coming down on you if you're a two. But that's where you start and we go, okay, how do I get to a 2.5, to a three? That's what's important. What do I need to change right now? You could do something right now. I promise you, you can't. Get your hand out of the chip bag. Take a walk with your dog or your cat, right? Drink some more water. Get some more sleep. Go to bed earlier. I don't know. There's just a few ideas. Get up a little earlier and do a little something, right? Okay. Got your first number. Second number is your mental number, right? What do I mean mental training? Reading a book is great mental training, right? Because it keeps your mind active and you're actually doing something that you're being an active participant. My wife says, don't be a mental loafer. You have to be an active participant in your mental growth, in your knowledge, in your understanding of what you do, the things around you, the world around you, those type of things. You have to do that. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rank yourself? Right? Whatever that number is, it is. What can you do to change it? Right? Listening to the show helps, right? But it's kind of passive, right? You're going to have to take action, by the way, Alex says that in this book several times. You gotta take action, right? You just can't just read it. You gotta take action. All right. So you got two numbers. Third number is the emotional number. I make it really simple: emotional training. One is how well are you able to control your emotions under stress, pressure, when you're under fire, when you're under the gun. Gosh, it's funny. Alex talks about that in here too. The other one is the other part of your emotional training is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of another person. That's sometimes called empathy. Sometimes we need to improve our grammar. Interestingly enough, Alex talks about being empathetic in his book, and he interestingly talks about how important it is to really understand the person that you're face-to-face to and be an active listener. Ah, imagine that. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing that? And what do you need to do to change that? And then finally, the, the, the fourth area is the spiritual area. And a lot of people go, ah, I just not, don't feel real spiritual. We're all spiritual. We believe in something. We, if you're in sales, you have to have faith that good things are going to happen. I mean, Alex makes a point. He quotes the statistics. I think he says that it's 5% um, really happiness and 95% grind is what he says in his book. Right? Which means that you're 5% elated because you, you made the deal or you closed the deal but 95% you're on the grind, which means that you're going to have to have faith for that 5%, doesn't it? And faith is spiritual. Whether you want to believe that or not, it is. If it hasn't happened yet, you still believe. You have to be perseverant. Perseverant is spiritual. It means that you have to have faith to keep going, right? And then the other part, the spiritual part is, you know, what brings you back to center? What do you run to when things go bad? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it yoga? And then how's it working for you? Right? Do you need to change something? Maybe you need to do something different. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate that? Right? And you know what? You have to think of those four numbers. Whatever those four numbers are, like the legs of the chair. If the legs of a chair are uneven, you know what happens? We get bad posture. At the same time, if the legs of the chair is too low, we can't sit at a table to eat healthily right? and get the nutrients that we need. And speaking of someone who's got his legs uh, at the right height, and he has got them all at the same level. His name is Alex Dripchak. He is a sales and careers readiness advisor based in New York City. He is the East Market Director of Business Development at Talentful. Previously, he was the relationship manager at Mercer and a global, a global HR consulting leader. And at Oracle, where he was the first person to be a sales manager and outside producer by the age of 25. He is the co-founder of Commence, a college to career academy, and the author of uh, 100 Skills of the Successful Sales Professional, But what really stands out about Alex to me is this, and it's a quote he made. He says, I am propelled forward by three relentless introspective mantras. There has to be a better way to do dot, dot, dot. How can I be of value to dot, dot, dot? And what can I do to help dot, dot, dot? That strikes me about the man. Also, he has become recently engaged to Nisha Parks Pink. Sorry, Nisha Pink. I'm sorry about that, Nisha. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction for the first time, Alex Dripchak. Wow, Jay, I'm impressed with your, your homework, 
your attention to detail and just uh, your, your holistic mindset. So loving it. And I have to ask you, have you ever um, read The Charge by Brendan Burchard or Bending Reality by Victoria Song? I have not read either of those books, but I will put them on my list. <laughs> uh, they, they talk about kind of the 10 areas of your life and grading on one to 10. So I feel like it'd be right up your alley. And for any, everybody listening in, uh, Brendan Burchard, the High Performance Academy, uh, that is a, quite a big ticket item there. So Jay and the advice he's bringing you, uh, he's a, a direct disciple there and, and somebody really worth listening to. So um, you're getting something at a fraction of what people pay for. So um, lovely. Thank you. Looking forward to today's session. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, let's just dig right in. These are 100 uh, skills that you've put together based on over 25 books that you have read, but also based on your experience and your success uh, that you've seen not only from yourself, but from others as well in the sales world. And I, I do not know how you were able to actually order these in any sort of order because I'll be like, going, well, that should be number one. And then I'm good. Well, okay, that maybe should be number one. Well, no, that should be number one. I, could, I, I mean, God bless you, man, because I have no idea how you were able to do it. So let's dig in because I want to I want to hit some of these. Let's just start with number 100, which is projects an attractive appearance. And uh, you come right out of the book and you talk about the attractive appearance. I think it's really important, but it's not what people may think, right? Because it's not about always wearing a suit and a tie, is it? Not at all. Yeah, and I, I kind of figure that people would eye roll being like, can you really control how attractive one person is, you know? But uh, but yes, and what I mean by that is putting your best foot forward. Um, I think especially in today's day and age on the virtual screen, making sure you have the right lighting, making sure that you have the right background, all of that is uh, as well put together. But a lot of it, what I was talking about in skill number 100, is a lot of people conform. They, they, you know, okay, what do I need to do? I need to put on a suit and tie and look professional. And then what do you do? You look like everybody else that's, you know, being a salesperson as well. And then when you see a bunch of people in suits and ties, now all of a sudden your brain, you know, synapses and fires and short circuits to mm. being, okay, suit and tie, salesperson, salesperson trying to sell me something. Okay, be wary of people in suit and tie. <laughs> It's, so yes, it kind of almost works against you because right. nowadays when people are so casual, when you see someone in a suit and tie, it's like, what's what's that person doing now? Right. Finance, government, a few industries, you know, you're exempt from this. But by and large, you know, people, uh, their their red flags go up and they they put their wall up. Well, I think you also make a point uh, later in this book that one of the key factors is we we like to buy from people who look like us or who are similar to us. And sometimes our dress um, can be inauthentic and actually be a way of people to stand off, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I talked about a lot in kind of meeting people in their authentic self later on in the, in the book. So, and, and one of the things I recognized is sometimes when we didn't go as a sponsor, we went as an attendee, I met more people authentically and had longer term relationships that ended up being partnerships or friendships or, or what have you. Um, and that's where I really made connections. When you go as a sponsor, you go in that suit and tie, you know, people know that they're, they need to be a little bit wary of, of your situation. So, um, when you kind of go as an attendee and you go as another person, um, rather than that sponsor, you take away that kind of artificial layer and you're meeting people as your authentic self. Well, let, let's, let's, let's go to number 94 because there seems to be a little bit of an overlap. What? A little bit of a lap for personality. It's 94 is maintains emotional consistency. And then you have a parenthesis, waiting room to elevator. And you say maintaining balance is important. Whatever your personality is, commit to it when entering the building. Building. If you forget to do that, commit to it when getting off the elevator on the first floor, on their floor. Talk about that for yeah. a little bit. Sure. So, I mean, this is just people, if I kind of, if I'm here and I'm just kind of like this, and then all of a sudden... You know, you're like, hi, Alex, we have you on today. And I'm like, hi, Jay, how's it going? You know, it comes across as a little inauthentic. Right. So people are obviously going to be more weary of you there too. So what I'm talking about is that emotional consistency is people not thinking that you're fake. So whatever you have, you kind of commit to that mindset. And then also on the waiting room to elevator or elevator to door, whatever you want to talk about, also making sure you don't prematurely elaborate or celebrate. I know a lot of people, they'll leave the building and then they'll start talking about the meeting right afterward. And then you don't know who's in that elevator. You don't know who's listening to you. You don't know who's in the lobby. So just kind of being a little bit more reserved and um, not shooting yourself in the foot, uh, good or bad, not saying something bad about somebody, 
or also not being like, oh, this is a shoe in. And then all of a sudden they're going to go back and say, hey, you know what? So-and-so just left from XYZ company. They think they have, you know, the leverage on you. Keep that in mind during negotiations. That's really all about making sure you don't shoot yourself in the foot right. and also being about that, that authentic and connectable person. Now you have, by the way, I want to just let everybody know that at the end of every one of these 100, he has an action item. Okay. And, and, and I want to talk about the action item that he has here and how he connects this. Cause this is really, really cool. So your action item for maintains emotional consistent consistency is talk to the receptionist, read their materials when in the waiting room, read their flyers, books, magazines, find artwork, sculptures, awards, and so on that are on display. See how you can compliment, not flatter or connect to their company. How does that play into that role of emotional consistency in that action? Sure. So I think it it makes sure it, it ensures that you are a person who is interested in this entire company, not just the, the purse strings, not just the decision makers. So you can go in there and I can pitch Jay if he's the CEO, um, you know, of a new direction. But, you know, maybe there's Julie and she's the receptionist. And, you know, Julie obviously is a very important person in the company and obviously needs to be treated well regardless. But you know, when you treat somebody very differently, if I treated Julie very different than Jay, then, you know, kind of the spidey senses are going to go off and, and red flags are going to appear. So, you know, it, it really is important to, to just treat everyone as a human being and respect everyone and, and get your perspective and what you can learn from each individual person. Let's let's move to chapter two, numbers 90 through 81. I, by the way, I love the way you divided this book up. By the way, chapter two is entitled "Getting Them to Lower the Gun," <laughs> which I just I just loved. So uh, I just think that's awesome. So I want to jump down here to one called uh, number eighty-four, called rehearses. And I don't know as a skill that we talk about rehearsal and rehearsing uh, what we're going to do, uh, doing the walkthrough. Talk us through that because I think it's really important. Uh, concept. As a matter of uh, fact, I wanted to say it was in the top 10, but you put it at 84, but, but go ahead. Yeah, well, there's a number of different parts of meeting effectiveness that require rehearsal, but the actual act of rehearsal and that skill itself is is why I put it at 84. But uh, practice makes perfect, that, that whole saying, uh, that's something that's very resonant to me and something I've written a number of articles on and probably the area where I like to talk most just because a lot of people confuse experience with preparation. They think, oh, I have 25 years experience. I don't, I don't need to prepare. I got this. And I'd be like, oh, really? Well, how about these 55 items? And I actually do have a 55 <laughs> item checklist in case anybody wants to see it for how to prepare effectively. But I, I'd be like, okay, well, how about these three things? Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, maybe maybe we should walk through. If people are, are resistant or hesitant to, uh, to talk about a rehearsal, a walkthrough uh, is kind of my step down or check down to make sure that people buy in. But re rehearsal, I think, is probably the most overlooked and the most important element just to really showcase that you know someone. You did your right. homework like Jay did, figuring out all my little different social media handles and everything beforehand. So kudos to you, Jay. Thanks. But that's kind of the world we live in. We have a wealth of information at our fingertips, and you better utilize it. Otherwise, somebody else will. So I was in a world of very complex selling relationships that take really no less than eight months and sometimes up to two or three years to cultivate. So when you're in that meeting, you know, you have 45 minutes to showcase a year or two years of what you've been working on. So you better make, make sure it's worthwhile. Well, I want to go, I want to take it a step further because the one thing that I know about salespeople and I coach salespeople, uh, and I know the one thing is I, I, they, you know, they do the same presentation quite frequently over and over again, but do you do the mental rehearsal? to really think about what could possibly, what, you know, what could possibly go wrong if, or what is that person about? I mean, you, you talk about that, but I mean, like even for this show, right, which I do once a week <clears throat> and, you know, I do read the books and, and I, you know, try to get information, but I literally do a mental walkthrough of the show of how I think this is going to go. And then I try to come up with things that, you know, you might throw at me that I'm not ready for and, you know, what could possibly go wrong and how I'm going to handle that. I think that's the other thing is that sometimes we get so comfortable that we stop rehearsing. True? Oh, 100%. And you need to be contingency planning for all elements that could fail. Right now, I am sitting next to two headsets in case my uh, in case anything got really loud in my apartment building here. 
Um, so keep, let me know. Don't, don't be uh, weary if you say, Hey, it's too loud. Put on your headset. You're good. But you know, a headset, a phone nearby in case something fails, especially in today's day and age where it's hard to reach people. So if you're on with somebody, then all of a sudden you're having technical difficulties and you need to drop off. You better be prepared to get on that person because five, 10, 15 minutes goes by and their life went in a completely different direction potentially. And you're out of it now. So I think contingency planning for each element that could go wrong and making sure you have a fail safe or a safeguard in place uh, is, is vital. Yeah. I I just, I just think, I think we need to I think rehearsal is just something that we just underutilize in the sales world. I don't think we rehearse ourselves enough. Um, I'm going to jump to chapter three, um, establishing a basis and number 80 manages appropriate expectations and over delivers. And you say, if there's one key to business, I would say it is the following lesson. Do your best to under promise and over deliver. Yeah. And then further down, I think I have a little, so each one of these skills, I have a little bold section. Mm -hmm. So they're all 200 to 600 word sections, but even to make it more laser uh, focused and action oriented for you, I usually kind of emboldened like of one phrase. And right in there, I think it's kind of making sure you put your SLAs kind of on the lower end um, to make sure that you're over delivering just kind of naturally. So what I mean by that is if you usually get back to someone within six hours, but your SLA is 24 hours, put down 24 hours and then six hours is great. Whereas if you put down six hours and then it ends up being six and a half, then all of a sudden, you know, you've set a precedent and now people are like, oh man, you know, this person isn't performing up to snuff. Whereas six and six and a half hours could be still two, three, four, five times better than anybody else. So that, that the big point to me is really just setting the appropriate expectations, making sure you have this, um, not only kind of wiggle room, but also you have this, uh, ability to just, just organically over deliver. And, and just for people who don't, may not under, understand what SLA is, could you help them define that? Yeah, sure. It's service level agreement. So okay. these are usually the things that you either say or you put in writing in your contract um, that specify what you're going to do. And it's kind of the barometer or the establishment of the relationship. So uh, these are things you're kind of promising that you're going to be able to deliver. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that you say and you make a really great point about is, is that sometimes what we do is we – we are the expectations. I mean, yes, it's, is it great to be the first one in? Absolutely. But what happens when all of a sudden you've created that expectation? You're no longer are. Yeah. Right. I I mean, mean, speaking from experience, there was one lady that I used to work with and God bless her. She would get back to people within 10 minutes, like all the time. And we were just like, listen, Hey, you should really probably not get back that quickly because we come to expect it. I remember one time I was kind of in a jam right before a client call and I messaged her like 25 minutes in advance and she was on another call and you know, nothing, nothing wrong with her. But in my mind, I was kind of like, what the hell? Like, why hasn't she gotten back to me yet? Right, right, right. So the, the precedent that you set, just be careful of that. Um, and, and keep that in mind. Yeah. Because that expectation can be just crazy. That I, 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 boy, I really love that you did that said that because I think it's really, really important that we do manage that. His name is Alex Dripchak, the book, 100 Skills of the Successful Sales Professional, and you are listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, I have two amazing sponsors, right? You hear me talk about them all the time. Uh, My physical therapist. They should be yours, too. They're epic physical therapy. Doesn't matter if you're just an ordinary Joe or Jane or you are a professional athlete, they work with you, right? And here's the deal. They understand that this isn't about your symptom. This is about treating you as an functional individual whole they are have great experience at rehabbing young athletes to professional athletes they they're gonna they're not gonna just treat your symptom or your injury they're gonna make sure you're right and get you back in the game so when you're ready for your epic relief your epic recovery and your epic results go no further than epic physical therapy that's epicpt.com that's epicpt.com and linda craft and team realtors for over 30 Five years, they have developed relationships with people all over the world. And they do that because they understand that the power of relationship is far more important than the power of business. Matter of fact, what they understood is that when you create the relationships, you know what? Business just happens. And that's why they are great at what they do. That's why, you know, they want to know what's important to you and they want to take care of what you need and what you want in your real estate transaction. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, go with the relationship specialists that happen to do real estate. 
That's Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Alex Stripjack and his uh, book, 100 Skills of the Successful Sales Professional. And I told you he was going to be awesome. And he is. And uh, are you having a good time so far, Alex? Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm amazed at how uh, thorough you've really read this book. So <laughs> how can I not be enjoying it? Uh, you know, it is one of the things that people go, so do you really read the books? I go, yeah, I've read every book of every author that I've ever interviewed on the show, right? So that's once a week. So I read a book a week for the show. And um, I said, I've really enjoyed every book. There's a, there's something, you guys are so good to me because I get to learn so much from your work. And so it's an enjoyable uh, thing for me to be able to do this and then hopefully pass um, your greatness and goodness to show. And by the way, Alex's book, 100 Skills of the Successful Sales Professional, is available to you, Amazon, in uh, both Kindle and paperback. And uh, so um, I'm really hopeful he's going to do it on Audible uh, because, by the way, if you want to start your free Audible trial, you could do that by going to audibletrial.com forward slash A-N-D for a new direction and you can get your uh, free Audible trial uh, going as well as some other discounts. So that's audibletrial.com forward slash A-N-D for a new direction and get your um, Audible as well. So let's go to jump to number 75, Alex. Employees creative tenacity. And um, you said it means finding new and innovative ways to stay in front of a prospect or customer, not just quote unquote checking in and not a perpetual lunch invitation. What do you mean then by creative tenacity? Yeah, it's a good good question. First of all, I wanted to compliment you on the, the book a week. Uh, I'm I'm aspiring to that. I'm a book every two weeks right now, so uh, it, it's it's an awesome way to learn. But um, yeah, so creative tenacity. I think this is also the one that's accompanied by a little uh, a little uh, catchy little cartoon there too. I think of, yeah, uh, yeah, me- yeah, measuring performance. But uh, for anybody that doesn't know this, um, Dave Anderson, great cartoonist and uh, really funny for some of his business cartoons, and he's in there. But uh, it's really talking about finding new ways or, or new avenues to keep on top of somebody. So instead of just that perpetual of, I'm checking in, can we catch up? Can we get lunch? Actually delivering something of value and something that's a little bit different. Mm. So I think Stu Henneke's book was really the inspiration behind this skill uh, and his book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, talking about creative different campaigns for sending things to people. I know one person he uh, it was almost kind of like a James Bond or Jason Bourne type of uh, scene. If anybody knows the end of Jason Bourne, but um, he ships somebody like an actual phone and the person like gets the package and then they pick up the phone and he calls them like right then. So, you know, if you're thinking about the end of the first Jason Bourne, he's like behind the lady right. in the FBI building and, you know, he sees her and, you know, that, that whole dramatic scene. So there are little creative ways to do that. Uh, one of my good friends actually did something with wedding invitations where he would do an actual like stationary and get it all kind of embossed and, and all formalized. I mean, each invitation was a few dollars, but people would open it because they think that they're getting invited to a wedding. And it says, I was inviting them to the union of finance and HR. <laughs> and Brilliant. on the invitation, he put down his name and also one of his also sales member of his team. There was two, two person sales team. Um, so he put down their names. People were like, do I know these people? And of course they opened it and then, you know, they got a kick out of it. And uh, that was a successful campaign for him. So you got to think about ways to be creative and to be tenacious. So that's why creative tenacity came up. And that was uh, the byproduct of my, one of my first directors I've had at Oracle. So he's listening in a little shout out to him for, uh, for the great turn of phrase. Well, I, there was a couple others that I just really found brilliant too as yeah. well. And I would just kind of, and one was the uh, gradual campaign of sending one uh, playing card at a time till you build a royal flush. That was brilliant to me. I'm like going, well, that kind of keeps going, okay, you know, they get a 10 and then they, maybe they get a jack or a queen and then a king and then they get the ace at the end, right? Five ways to stay in contact and you build a royal flush. I don't know how that exactly went, but I just thought, man, that's a really cool, creative way to do it. The other one was the magic eight ball. Which was kind of cool. Will will this person respond to my message? Right today, my eight ball said yes. Right, um, kind of a neat little. Just I just love the out of the box. Um, I, I love the out of box. You had something about cartoons too, as well. 
Yeah. So that one, since Stu Henneke's a, a cartoonist, so but both of those were from uh, his book examples. Um, one of mine that I really enjoyed was putting together a resume of my company's kind of accolades as to why it would be a good fit for them mm. and actually delivering it as a resume. And people really like that in case people want another idea. But yeah, for cartoons, he would actually create these like massive um, boards almost that would be a couple feet and they'd be customized to that person. And he's a very skilled cartoonist. So people would keep it. And also you have this massive like four by four, you know, uh, foot cartoon on, uh, on a nice kind of backing and uh, they would keep it in their office. And mm. it was something usually researched and found out that was complimentary to them and uh, kind of actually drew them. And, and that was a, a great way in. Now, obviously not all of us had the benefit of being a world famous cartoonist. Right. However, that was a, a creative little idea and also part of the inspiration why I put cartoons in my book. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. I also thought that another one that was really creative was messages in alternative or native languages of the buyer. I did that. I did that one and I did it in Afrikaans. And I checked yeah. it on like three different resource uh, sites. And it's a guy who historically never got back to anybody in our company. And I, I heard back from him. So uh, that was a start. Um, and, and that was uh, the, the foundation to uh, some interaction with him. That one didn't quite pan out all the way through. But uh, but yeah, he at least elicited a response. And um, yeah, that was that was fascinating. But I've done other ones in Italian and Spanish and uh, I just that, that I would caveat by not only doing Google Translate, but making sure you check it on some other kind of native sites to make sure right. that all the, all the language is up to date. That's awesome. Yeah, I just love that. Matter of fact, one of the action items you have here is Read Thinker Toys by Michael Machalko, I think is the book. Yeah, it's right behind me. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. there and we go. There it is. Yeah, you, you, you referenced that book. So that might be. So when you're buying uh, Alex's book, you might want to think about Thinker Toys. Um, there you go. How's that? Um, let's move. Let's move on. That these are fun. I got to tell you, these. You, you know, you said in the in the introduction of the book, you said, you know, that this is this is not just going to be a book that's going to help you, and and this is going to be if you're into organization, you're going to love it. But this book is going to be fun because literally, you tell us when we get to uh, every one of these how long the read is going to be, uh, the average reader. Now, if you're a slow reader, it's not going to take you exactly three minutes. It may take you three minutes and 45 seconds, okay? Because you're slow. But if you're a fast reader, it may take you two minutes and 45 seconds. So, but it was cool. I love that. Um, here's number 73. Very simple. Uh, I don't know that either we apply this word to salespeople. We ask them to do it, but I don't think we understand it. And I don't think the client necessarily feels it. And that is number 73. The skill is is empathetic. Yeah, and this one kind of almost gets uh, duplicated. I have it later on in the mm -hmm. 20s as well. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about it kind of bifold as to how it applied twice. But um, yeah, I mean, empathy to me is critical, especially nowadays with just what's going on in the, in the world and kind of the macro factors of COVID um, and just what we, what we need to be astutely aware of. And then you look at all the studies from Daniel Goleman and his emotional intelligence book mm. and how it's really what, what pushes the, the precipice or breaks the ceiling for people's careers is it's not IQ and it's not any kind of certification or, or technical skill. It is your ability to connect and relate to others and your, your ability to um, empathize with them. So, so to me, empathy is probably the greatest um, accelerator to your, to your career. And that applies to sales where people have this kind of thinking about a salesperson as being a little slick or a little sleight of hand or a little greasy or slimy. These are all words that pop up in another book that's behind me, uh, To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink, another phenomenal read. Um, and they talk about what are the 25 words you associate with salespeople. And with the exception of like two of them, they're all pretty negative. Mm. So understand that people are gonna be meeting you with, with reticence. Mm. And in order to overcome that, you need to be empathetic of their situation. And that, starts with putting yourself in their shoes, which I talk about later on too, and making sure that you understand what their priorities are and you're putting things in their lens rather than your own. Well, you, you say, at, the, at least at 73, <clears throat> you say empathy to me starts with body gestures. How do we, how does that look when we, when you talk about that in terms of empathy starts with body gestures? gestures? Yeah, so I think it's when somebody shares something that is, difficult for them to handle, but maybe it's a good buying sign for you. Like if this pain point is good for when customers buy, I think I share this also in the book. It's mm -hmm. just that when someone says something like that, it's not, Oh great. We can help with that. 
It's, right. oh, I'm sorry to hear that you've been challenged right. with that. You know, can you tell me more? And you learn a little bit more about their issue. And then, you know, you transition eventually into how you can potentially be of, of assistance. But, um, you know, having those knee-jerk reactions where that's going to really turn somebody off. And it, it's turned me off. I'm sure a number of your listeners uh, can also think of experiences, too, where someone uh, did not connect with them because of their lack of empathy or sympathy. So that's a big one. I think another one is when somebody shares something, you lean in, you know, you're maintaining eye contact. Uh, if they say something that's difficult, you know, maybe you have like a little wince or a little, you know, you purse your lips a little bit or, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're, you're showing that you're connecting with them and you're relating to them. Yeah. You, matter of fact, your action item, <clears throat> excuse me on this one is video record a practice intro meeting. Um, are your actions and body language gestures consistent with empathy? I think that is just absolutely um, critical for people to understand that it, your words are not enough. Your actions have to line up here with empathy. empathy. You know, I, I, I and, and I think that's what I think that's where we miss it. I think we sometimes think that I can just get by with, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. Let's move on. Well, no. That that's if your body your body can say that. You know, I, I think that's where we have to be careful. Oh, 100%. And I think it's one of those things you might not even recognize until you become astutely aware of it. Yeah. Like right now, we're talking about it a lot, so you might be clued in when someone's talking about it. But by and large, you know, you have other things on your mind. So until you play it back and look specifically from that frame of reference, you might miss a few things. Let's move to Chapter 4, 70 through 61, Building a Relationship. And... I'm going to jump to 66, and it is, is calendar flexible? And you say, and I'm going to quote this, a wise philosopher once said, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. By the way, that philosopher was Eminem. So uh, let's, let's, start, let's start from there, and let's talk about calendar being calendar flexible as a skill. Yeah, I, I try to put in some little conversational and uh... – Hopefully, funny things in there. Sometimes they might not always land, but it landed. It landed. It landed, brother. You did it. Glad you appreciated that. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so this one really talks about, as they say, you sometimes you only have that one opportunity. As I was talking about earlier, is you want to make sure that you've contingency planned and fail safe every part of your process because so much comes down to those one, two, three, four, five meetings that you get. So and a lot of times you're not going to get a second chance. So. I also, this is also bifold. So it's not only about being available, but it's also about what people are saying without saying it when they're asking for a certain time. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to meet with you and they say, oh, I only have 7.30 PM on Wednesday night. Don't be like, oh man, that's my dinner time with my family every night. Maybe, no, maybe it's very important for you to have dinner with your family, but if they are okay with it, maybe you can move it that one time because not many people are going to volunteer to meet with you after hours. Right. And that's usually a good sign for you. Like I remember we were in a negotiating process. We were almost twice as expensive as our nearest competitor. And they wanted to meet with us 2 p.m. on a Saturday. And I went to my team and I'm like, guys, we got this. Let's just not make, let's make sure we don't mess it up. And like, how do you know? I'm like, who wants to meet at 2 p.m. on a Saturday? Like, right. that, that doesn't really ever happen. Right. And sure enough, we won that deal too at a significant premium. So you got to look for what they're saying without saying it so much. So make sure that you don't meet it from your lens, but think about, oh, if someone's asking me to meet at this time, it's probably a good sign. Well, you, you tell a story, um, matter of fact, you were, I think you were right in the midst of writing the, this particular chapter, and it, I think you were going to, your brother wanted to get together the next day, um, it was New Year's Low Week, with, and he asked if you were working, and he, you said, you, you were going to do a golf simulator and yep. lunch, yep. Um, and you literally had to prepare him, like, you know, and you say, and I quote, he, he said, if so, sorry, bro, literally, <laughs> I'm getting called in. I may not be able to do it. And you literally say, I know that some of you are cringing right now, thinking thinking that when you're out of the office, you're out. But it, you have to have, build in that flexibility because that could be your only opportunity, the biggest opportunity. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, there's a, there's a fine balance sometimes of being too available where people are like, oh, right. what's wrong with this person? Do they not have any other clients? But also with setting the proper foundation to a relationship that you are receptive and responsive. Uh, and that you can move things around if if they are flexible so or manageable. So um, so yeah, it's that fine line which I also talk about with how to right. manage that and kind of recommending responding from your phone or or putting up an out of office even if you're just really busy. 
So there, there are ways to, to make sure that you're, you're setting the appropriate expectations, but yes, being receptive and available uh, to your client's needs is, is important. And you're kind of almost like a doctor in that way. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and but which by the way, you utilize that analogy um, throughout the book of being, you know, if you think of yourself as a doctor, right, it, it does change your attitude, right? Because you want a good bedside manner. Would, would a doctor not help someone that needed help? Of course not. Um, I really enjoyed, I really, really enjoyed that piece of that. A doctor, psychologist. Right. Uh, hostage negotiator. I forgot you had that one in there too. Very valuable. You had that one too. Uh, number 64 skill. And I, and I don't know how come it's so far up because this to me was like, oh man, this has got to be number two, if not one, because all of them to me were number one or two, uh, is disciplined. Um, uh, that this one was like one of those things where you go, well, of course you should be disciplined, but you, you have a little bit twist on this because you said um, the matter of the fact is you can never really get excitable about a deal to a client. Act like you've been there and make it routine. Yeah. So I think that uh, this one comes up a couple times. And Michael Bosworth in his book, What Great Salespeople Do, mm. uh, talks about it as well as kind of people have this tendency when someone relates to them to kind of do this verbal vomit. And they just keep talking and they just want to, you know, keep talking about everything. And they kind of have this premature elaboration. And then that kind of people, people, you know, recede back a little bit when you start oversharing or getting too excited. So you need to make sure that this is the situation of been there, done that. And uh, one of the examples in the book, I think it's in this one, is talking about being that pilot. And Mike Weinberg mm-hmm. talks yep. about in New yep. Sales Simplified, you know, there's a time to take off, there's a time to cruise, and there's a time to land and treat kind of each one appropriately. Because no one wants the pilot who at the, uh, at the end of a rocky flight was like, whew, thank God, everybody. <laughs> whew, whew, that, was, that was rough. I am so glad I didn't know if we were going to make it. Uh, nobody wants that. They want that sorry for apologize for the turbulence you know look forward to cruising soon and thank you for flying with us you know they want the cool calm collected person right yeah they don't want an excitable pilot do we we, we really don't right we, we really want the monotone uh absolutely in control secure pilot that's for sure we all really want that his name is alex dripchak the book is 100 skills of the successful sales professional he's awesome and you're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey, folks, listen, let me tell you something about Epic Physical Therapy. First of all, people from all over the world actually come in, professional athletes from all over the world come to Epic Physical Therapy. Uh, Why? Well, it's because they offer the most advanced, top-of-the-line, I call it bleeding-edge equipment and therapies, right? Whether it's the anti-anti- the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which is one of my favorite treatments like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, don't look any further. Look at epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft, the team realtors for over 35 years, she has been uh, helping people sell and buy homes, right? But it's more than that. You know, she's created relationships with all of her clients. As a matter of fact, her first client from 1985 still comes sees her today. And you know why? It's because she's maintained that relationship. It's not a just one-time thing. She really really knows these people and she really has come to love them and they've come to love her back. Sounds weird in a real estate transaction, doesn't it? But it's not to her and it's not to her team. That's why Linda Crafted Team Realtors is known as really the legends of customer service and relationships. So when you're ready for your sold sign or you're ready to start your home journey, start with Linda Crafted Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Alex Dripchak and his outstanding book. And he is fun, isn't he? Gosh, he's fun. And the book, I'm telling you, every person, and, and by the way, thank you, everybody who is uh, listening right now on uh, CastBox uh, FM Live. I appreciate you um, folks for listening all over the world. And also people who are watching us live, thank you, or watching us on Memrex. That's an old word. And for those of you listening on the podcast, drive safely uh, while you're trying to take notes. Um, you can always listen to the show again, all right? And and we, we, we appreciate that too. Also, tell your friends and um, your enemies even um, that this is a great show and that they should listen because you know what? Friends don't let friends not listen to A New Direction. Um, all right, so chapter five. Uh, 60 through uh, to 51, becoming an ally 
is the name of this chapter. And I'm going to jump down to 58. Knows and avoids salesy trigger words. And you say there's no easier way to be written off and to utilize than to utilize a salesy trigger word. Yeah, this is perhaps uh, when I talk to readers or other people, I did an offshoot of this on Harvard Business Review, so I can drop that link as well. Um, this is everybody's favorite. They always want to see what words are on the list and <laughs> you know, what knee-jerk reflexives might be in there that they don't even know they're using that are costing them business or potential connections. So I, I kind of bucket these into three categories. So I kind of think of them as uh, bad, worst, worst. Um, but in, in reality, <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it's kind of the um, ones that are suspect or ones that are kind of overused, meaningless words. Like everybody's an innovator and everybody's right. unique. I don't know how everybody can be unique, but right. um, those words get thrown out a lot. So make sure in your marketing materials, you know, you try to sub some of those things in and I give some recommendations. Uh, in the article for that. And then I kind of have the next category of things that really shouldn't be said to a prospect. You shouldn't be talking about your quota and your commissions. And Hey, get, please give me this deal. I'm one away from my my quota. Um, some people have done that I know successfully, yeah, but they right. own that person for years. Uh, so that's not something I would really advise out of the gate. And then that last category are the, the once in a lifetime opportunities or, uh, you know, do yourself a favor or anything that's kind of pushy and kind of really salesy right off the bat. And one that I heard actually in a meeting I talk about um, was, let me be honest with you, or I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, that's it just calls and it's one of those things that people say all the time. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's like, well, what were you doing otherwise? Right. You know, it calls everything else right. into question and people don't even realize it. Right. So replace it with transparent, blunt, frank really, really try to avoid the word honest. And I know it's difficult because so many people use it, right. but really try to catch yourself every time uh, when, you say, when you're saying, let me be honest with you. Yeah, you, you, you have the three, quarter, three, quarter, three categories that you have here. Suspect, cringeworthy, never see them again is what you have. And um, I just, just here's some of the suspect words. Leader, best, unique. Um, wouldn't you agree? I hate that, by the way. I hate that when people go, wouldn't you agree? Actually, no. I, my first, my first, I have practiced and rehearsed when people say, "Well, wouldn't you agree?" No. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? It's good to save money. Well, no. Wouldn't you agree? The grass is green. No. Sky no. is blue. No, no, because I don't know what my eyes are doing today, and I don't know how I feel about money today. Okay, so there it is. Uh, the, second, the second list was cringeworthy. Uh, trust, trust me. What do I need to do? Uh, what is it going to take? Don't you want to? Uh, just checking in, right? Those are your cringe, some cringeworthy ones. Boy, those are cringeworthy. Man, they're cringeworthy. If I could, would you? Oh, golly, that just makes me sick. And then the never see them again words, which you say, I'll be honest with you. I love this, buddy, pal. And by the way, I live in the South, so this can be sometimes yeah. used down Sport here. Sport champ kid. <laughs> I hate it too because I'm usually young for, for what I do. So when people address me that way, I'm like, "Oh, you're you're being an ageist." So this is great. <laughs> oh man, those things just just got to stay just got to stay away. Which brings me to number fifty-five, which is captivates audience through candidacy and humor. And I I think this is also very very brilliant because you go, "What's your hook? Then what's your transition?" Right. And you see part one, be candid, but then also use humor. Help us out. Yeah. So this is one thing I talk about actually in my uh, college to career academy for presentation skills is basically you should think of somebody in the audience kind of like slouched down, kind of like half paying attention, you know, maybe they're on their phone. And then you say something that's either really candid or really humorous and they kind of go, huh, interesting. <laughs> and they kind of like sit up a little bit, right? you know, and they wait for whatever that seven or eight seconds that you, you just kind of captured them. What is that hook? What is that transition, that segue that's going to get them from going from, you know, they went from slouch on their phone to upright. Now what's going to get them on the edge of their seat leaning in? Right. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. And that that first part is kind of that um, capturing their attention and then how are you going to captivate them throughout? What's that going to be that transition? Yeah, I, I just, I think it's, I, th I think sometimes salespeople can get so focused on being so serious because they're so wanting to make the sale that they forget how to 
be human. And being candid and being humorous is part of being human. And I think it's got to be part of the sales process if it's going to, if it's really going to create relationship. Because that's, that's, isn't, isn't that what really, real relationships are? Is part candid, part humor? 100%, yeah. And I mean, I gave an example in the book of humorous, but if you think about just the book itself, I'm pretty sure that one of the first lines, if not the first line is, what is some 29-year-old going to be able to teach me about sales? So right out of the gate, I'm just kind of like, right, I'm just going to address this right off the bat. Right. Let me talk about how this is a curation, consolidation, collation of 27 best-selling books fused with my own experiences. So I'm not right. claiming to be the world's form foremost expert on sales, but I might be able to give you a few tidbits here and there uh, across the curation that'll help. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't care how old you are. The stuff is brilliant. So I, I don't care if you're 29 or if you're 19 or if you're five, if you're putting this out, this brilliant stuff. So, um, Appreciate it. you know, you're man, it's good. Uh, okay. Let's go chapter six, 50 to 41, developing a potential partnership together. And I want to look at number 46 asks effective questions. And you say effective questions have few things in common. They're thought-provoking, client-centric, and value-oriented. Let's talk about some of your favorite uh, thought effective questions and what that means. Sure. So this is also paired with number one. I don't want to spoil too much. We'll probably get there. But I think asking effective questions is the most important skill that people can have. And I'll talk about the distinction between the two. But some of my favorites are really, really the ones that are laser focused on the other person. So what's going to make this meeting a success for you today? Or what, what would, how would you define this as a successful meeting? What do we need to do in order to have this be a successful meeting? There's a number of different ways to kind of uh, version that, that question for whatever's most effective with the person you're speaking to. But uh, that's a good one. I really like um, what would make this project or this initiative a success for you, both professionally and personally. Mm. Sometimes people will be like, oh, wow, you know, actually, if I could make my kids literally baseball game at 6 p.m. on Thursdays that I always miss because our system's failing or whatever it is, mm. that would be great. So there's always that personal kind of um, consequence of a professional issue or, or, or objective. So getting at those elements to make it a little bit more human and a little more empathetic and also a way for you to further connect with them. So now you have a follow up about, you know, John's literally baseball game on Thursdays right. at 6 p.m., whatever it is. So you kind of build in some additional bonding rapport layers by asking these questions. So those are a couple of my favorites that are really centered on the other person. Yeah, I'm going to give you, I'm going to throw a couple others that I really liked that you, that, you, that, are, that you have down here. We appreciate you reaching out to us. What or who drew you to us? That's a big one, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people don't understand like, the, the power of referrals or references, uh, testimonials. So figuring out that source now seems like every website, you know, how did you hear about this? They always, they always list it there. But somehow in, in sales processes, I don't hear it being asked as much as it mm. should. And it also tell you volumes. If someone said, hey, my best friend that I've grown up with my entire life and we've done all the same things, just bought your solution. That's a, a heck of a lot better than, oh, I uh, saw you on a billboard, you know, a week all ago, right. and I thought all oh, that might be interesting. Yeah, here's another one I, I really liked. What are the drawbacks for making a change? What happens if you don't change? What are the consequences? That's a real and, thought provoker there. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of things that we want to do in life, but how many things do we actually really need to do? So this might be like, oh, you know what? It's cool. I should look at getting a life coach. I think it'd be helpful. I think a lot of people think a life coach would be helpful, but what are the ramifications or consequences right. of the fact that if you didn't get that life coach? Um, you know, so there could be a number of reasons why, but figuring out what is the propensity to change? How do you kind of disrupt that status quo? And by asking that question, you're kind of helping them fuel themselves rather than you having to do it as an external force. Right. By the way, if you do need a life coach, um, I am available. I am looking, actually, I can take on a few more clients. So uh, just go to coachingmavericks.com. Um, if it's I, I dropped that one in for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I appreciate. I thought it was like, oh, he put that on a tee for me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, let's move. Let's move on down the list. Number forty-three shows adaption skills through mirroring and matching ability. So this one's talking about. Um, this is also in Daniel Pink's book, "To Sell as Human." So I highly recommend that. But it's talking about if there's a way that someone communicates, and I I failed that this actually kind of in your. Your backyard in North Carolina. I'll talk about that when I was younger. But, um, you know, how, how fast do people speak is the example I share in the book. But what kind of hand gestures do people use? 
how much eye contact, you know, how open or closed are they in their, their communication? Um, you know, maybe they have their leg crossed. So I wouldn't say monkey see monkey do where whatever right. they do, you exactly mirror it. You kind of have this little kind of, um, gap and then you try to pick up some of the things and cues that they, that they have. Right. Yeah. I, you know, here, um, <clears throat> it's really important that, you know, you have to pay attention that they do not want to necessarily move as fast here. Uh, we have a little bit different sense of timing here. When I moved here, I had to get used to that. You know what? You slow it down and we're going to slow it down a little bit. And I'm not saying it's always that way, but sometimes it just slows down and that's how you have to do things here. And that's, that's okay. But you do have to learn to mirror that on some level. And you say give it a lag time so that you're not mocking the person, which I think is also brilliant. Let's jump to number 42, perseveres. And you you evidently went to some Sandler training, and you and the quote I love this is some will, some want, some won't. So what? Next. That's the last one. <laughs> That's the last part that they have. S W cubed N. <laughs> Uh, you you said <laughs> here's some statistics you quote each decision has an average of seven buyers uh, from the corporate executive board study up to 74 percent of sales goes to the first person through the door that adds value uh, it takes eight attempts to reach someone and five follow-ups when trying to earn the sale perseverance yeah I mean that's really one of the keys and um, I think people don't really appreciate that. They, they don't, they don't understand how much it takes and they either try the same tired approach and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So how do you keep that creative tenacity kind of in, in flow? And that's, this skill is a direct byproduct of creative tenacity. Do you realize we've been on an hour? It doesn't feel like it. It does not well, feel like it. Like, like, give this book, I might be able to stay on for a few more hours. <laughs> I'm just looking at this. I'm like going, we we didn't even make it through, through the last 40. Uh, you know, and I pulled out some here, but I've, I, we, we've already been on an hour and um, I know I owe you that time. And uh, the book is great. Um, some of the things, I'm just going to tell you, it displays passion and positivity for the position, uh, is intrinsically motivated. It just goes on and on. I'm just telling you folks, this book uh, is absolutely fantastic. One Heart Skills is a successful sales professional. It is for every sales professional. Um, folks, get your teams. If you're a sales manager, get your teams to buy this book because this is going to help them immensely. Go over that. Go over it. Read it. I'm just telling you, help me. It's going to help you. Alex, how can people get a hold of you? And uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So you're always welcome to drop me a note on LinkedIn. I'm happy to chat there. You can also follow me on Instagram. Uh, Are you workforce ready is my college to career academy. Uh, so you can drop me a message there. And I also field some questions on the book there. And then, um, so I have commenceyourcareer.com for the, the, the RE Workforce Ready kind of um, match for the website. And then I also have One Heart uh, Sales Skills is, uh, is the website for the book and articles. That's awesome. His name is Alex Dripcheck. I told you. Fantastic. One Heart Skills of the Successful Sales Professional. Get it. It's available bookstores, and Amazon. Folks, this is the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? You are in control of two things every single moment of your life, your attitude and your effort. It doesn't matter what's going on in your world. You can control those two things. Take control of it. You can. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over the world, and thank you so much for listening. Ciao, everyone. Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction A new direction A new direction
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.